You're listening to the Science Circle Podcast. It's a nonprofit program serving a global alliance of scientists, science students, science educators, and you. Welcome. And our guest today is Dr. Greg Perrier. I've been looking forward to this. It's a little bit of self-indulgence, maybe. I met Greg the other day chatting about our work with education in virtual worlds. And we had common connections to UCLA and California and Peace Corps and USAID and culture studies and Northern Virginia and international learning. And both of us have been working to advance education technology for more than a decade. We'll talk more about the details of that, but this seemed like a good opportunity to talk about Greg's commendable work and some of my own uh, similar, if lesser, efforts, so we might all become better acquainted. Uh, Greg spent eight years working in West Africa, first with the Peace Corps, serving in the West African country of Cameroon, then two years in Nigeria at an agricultural research institute. And then two more years on a USAID project in Niger. That's with the United States Agency for International Development. After returning to the USA, he pursued a PhD at Utah State University, USU, studying how to become a better manager of uh, donor-funded agriculture projects in Africa. He then became director of international programs for the College of Natural Resources at USU. He spent five more years working for USAID in Washington, D.C. He also spent some time with USAID in Washington uh, before accepting a faculty position at the Northern Virginia Community College, affectionately called NOVA by those of us who know it. During his last six years at NOVA, he developed a robust biology program in Second Life and promoting STEM education in virtual worlds. And Greg, welcome to you. I'm so glad you joined us today. We have so much in common. I feel like I'm interviewing myself, uh, if you don't mind uh, sharing some notes as we go. Oh, thank you. Neither of us uh, might be considered a hard science PhD, in such as studying physics or chemistry. My doctorate is in education, specializing in transcultural communications with an international student body. Your doctorate is in range science, which to me sounds like a science where you get your hands a little bit dirty. What, what is that about? Well, basically range science is looking at uh, how you manage uh, natural grasslands for agriculture, mainly livestock. And I got interested in that when I was in Peace Corps because I was very close to a pastoral family over there who raised livestock. And so I came back and did my master's in that, looking really at range ecology, looking at studying plants. And then I went back to Africa and I came back and I just saw that there's a huge disconnect between how what we try to have as a project and what these people really need because we don't understand the people, we don't talk to them. So I really got into how can we do these projects better. Well, imagine after that length of time that you spent in Africa, your understanding is considerably better than most of ours, what's going on there. You spent a long stretch uh, with Peace Corps. And I was in Vista, uh, which in Oregon, I was working with low-income and unemployed people. It's a domestic Peace Corps of a sort, also under the umbrella of uh, the U.S. agency Action. You did four years of service in Africa, and I know from... Uh, Peace Corps, uh, following it over the years, it's one of the highest attrition rates for any Peace Corps assignment is is the time spent in Africa. You not only made it through your first year, you stayed for four. 
uh, which is pretty impressive. What what were you doing there? Well, officially I was doing uh, aquaculture, raising tilapia fish in small fish ponds. But um, the people who controlled the fish ponds were the women, at least the land where the fish ponds should be. And they marketed this project to the men. So it didn't work very well because the men couldn't put the fish ponds in and they didn't market it to the women who had control of the land where the fish ponds should go. Again, a big disconnect between understanding what's good, the culture and the project. And so but then I got interested with pastoralism because I met a Fulani family. I got very close to them. I visit them every few years, even now. And I learned their language, and uh, I came back to do things more with pastoralism and rangelands and livestock and these issues. And then you went on to work uh, for USAID. They used to call that Peace Corps with a budget. Uh, I worked on a USAID project in Ukraine with a national media outreach and broadcast and print media uh, on economic reforms. You also worked with USAID uh, for a number of years. What, what were you doing there? Well, in Washington, D.C., I was working with aid. I was in their uh, nonprofit office. So we were going out with uh, the nonprofits, the NGOs who had AID projects, especially the ones that were in agriculture and, and environmental and conservation. And I was advising them. I was like, like a science advisor to these NGOs. Huh. So I traveled a lot. I was traveling all over the world meeting with these NGOs and talking about how they can do their projects a little better, thinking about things like that. And isn't that the best way to see the world traveling with a purpose? Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, something else we have in common. I lived in Annandale, uh, Virginia. Well, I worked in Washington, D.C. You know, it's a neighboring community there. And I just yes. loved the uh, community resources provided by Northern Virginia Community College, NOVA. And uh, here you are so engaged with them. Uh, what, what have you done uh, with NOVA? basically got tired of traveling around the world because I had kids and I was not seeing them very often. So um, a friend of mine was working at NOVA and they needed a faculty, had a faculty position they needed filled and she asked me if I would come and take that over. And so I interviewed and got the position. I was teaching biology basically and environmental science there. And then I got active in the Second Life activities that NOVA had a campus in Second Life. I didn't even know that when I joined them. And later, I became the manager of that in 2012. And not only have you been managing your own build, but you put together a manual for other educators coming into virtual worlds on how they should go about it. What what some of the uh, biggest challenges and as well some of the biggest rewards uh, of your time spent teaching in virtual worlds? Well, the, the big challenges was I had to figure out how we do it. Uh, and I think this is why a lot of people have left virtual worlds and education, just simply because our, our first initial ideas were not correct. You know, we thought we'd go in and teach in a classroom or um, creating uh, builds that uh, the faculty had never had any input into and they didn't know how they're going to use it, so nobody actually used it. So I went around, looked at what people were doing, then we started off just you know, trying to create things that would actually work and you could actually get a, an accessible activity that students would actually learn something that they're supposed to and you could assess that learning. And that's what we've been working on. And so after years of doing that, I said, well, we've learned a lot on this. So we started to think about what have we learned and how can we communicate this? And this is where this manual came from. Well, and it's a fascinating topic. And after a brief break, let's talk a little bit more about some of the other innovations and in education you've been working on. And we'll be right back. <laughs> and 
And we're back speaking with Dr. Greg Perrier. And as we speak, there was a problem earlier today with the Skype directory and we couldn't manage to connect. So Greg simply invited me into his virtual world campus. Here I am with his beautiful view, the Nova Center. We're sitting in a lovely perch, comfortable with a sense of a beautiful spring day. It's always a beautiful spring day in these virtual worlds, if that's what you want. Uh, Greg, you've been working in virtual world platforms with education projects for a number of years. What do you see uh, happening in the near future with this educational technology in the months and years to come? Well, I think it's going to be necessary to have students get some background in virtual worlds because I think they're going to become part of the workforce, work environment in, in the future. And so I'm really excited about getting students in here. We bring a lot. We bring about 400 students to the campus every year. We have a, a very good uh, feedback from them. You know, about 25% love it. Another 25% find it interesting. I'm only really about 10% really hate it. You know, and you're going to get that with almost any college project. So I think it's a great way for students to learn, especially visual learners who like to interact with things. They really love coming into virtual worlds and doing things. And so we found this to be a very great way to teach biology. You don't get a lot of faculty using it unless they have to. And so we have, we're set up to when they have snow days, the campus closes, the labs are not functioning, the students can come in and do these labs in Second Life. And that's really made our use of this facility, of this region in Second Life increase quite a bit. And uh, lots of interactivity uh, in some of the exercises the students could do there visiting uh, the Nova site. What, what sorts of uh, engagement do you have? What, what brings them in and gives them something to do? Well, we've made um, activities that they have to go in and interact with objects and note cards and read things. And, and we have a handout that tells them how to do this. And these handouts are really a work of art. We've had to change them over the years, make them better. And we get a lot of student feedback on that. And the, walks the students through the activity and at the end there's a set of questions the students should be able to answer if they've done the activity and so they come in they do this interaction with objects like the, they can make a glucose molecule they can look at macromolecules like proteins and nucleic acids they can go into a cell and fly around they can go into a forest and measure ecology aspects of this forest we have lots of different activities they can do and so the students come in and do that they answer the questions and send that to the professor. And the professor never comes into Second Life. They don't have to. You will not get professors coming in. It's just such a learning curve. They don't come in and do it, but the students do. And uh, you, you, of course, are serving the uh, students of NOVA uh, quite well. How about internationals? Are you getting some visitors coming in from other uh, colleges, universities, academic programs? We have quite a few um, visitors come through. We've done their, their educational groups in Second Life, and I've done tours for most of those. Um, there's some colleges in the United States that offer classes and teaching in virtual worlds. Um, that's a part of their educational program, um, and they've come in and done tours. Um, and we get students from Texas Wesleyan University in uh, Fort Worth, Texas. They come in and do some activities here. We get students from other community colleges in Virginia. They come in and do some activities here. So we, we have an outreach. We have lots of space and lots of activities so we can bring in students from other places. No problem right now. And so we're, we're very welcoming and get lots of people coming in. Well, and you mentioned earlier how critical these skills are these days just in the employment marketplace. You better be prepared to interact at a global level using all of these communication tools and social media and virtual platforms. 
So how, how has this uh, technology impacted your own uh, career growth, your own interaction with uh, colleagues? Well, I've made a lot of friends and a lot of professional contacts in Second Life, part of many of these different uh, educational groups in Second Life, the Science Circle. I'm on the board there. I, I would never even heard of the Science Circle before I've been in Second Life. And so we do, it's really changed. It's a whole different aspect. It's not ecology. It's not biology. It's an educational thing of teaching STEM, science, technology, engineering, and math in a virtual environment. I'm really involved in that right now. Unfortunately, I'm retired from NOVA now, so I have some time I can actually devote to this. And, and what, what do you plan over the next year? What are going to be some of your uh, most immediate goals? Well, we're really working with bringing in a Chinese program that's coming in here, a Chinese language. Um, we have a whole facility set up for that now. And our medical education campus is coming in. So we're bringing both of those in this year. Uh, which will be new activities. We haven't been, uh, haven't had those active here on the region so far. Well, it sounds like a very uh, interesting, active year. Hope to bring you in about midpoint. Let's get an update how all your efforts are going on behalf of uh, NOVA and other organizations you work with. Our guest today for this episode of the Science Circle was Dr. Greg Perrier. If you can make it into Second Life, be sure to visit his NOVA build. Just search Northern Virginia Community College and it should turn up. And thank you, Greg. Thank you. We'll be right back. The Science Circle is a nonprofit program based in the Netherlands with a recording studio here in Southern California. For more information on this podcast and other Science Circle programs, please visit sciencecircle.org. That's sciencecircle.org. This podcast is under Creative Commons license and is freely available for educational use. Until the next time, I'm your host, Stephen Van Hook. Be well. <laughs>